Thank you for tuning in to the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We are one church with multiple campuses in the Elgin and Bartlett communities. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org, our church app, or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, may you be blessed by this week's message. The first scripture is Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death, and my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. The second reading is from the fifth chapter of Romans, verses 1 to 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Lord, open our hearts and our minds to your word today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our last week in the current season, current sermon series, rather, on wrestling with doubt and finding faith. Today we talk about why do the innocent suffer? And I would probably broaden that out to why do any of us suffer? Suffering, especially when it is undeserved, is a powerful source of doubt for a lot of folks. When we confront and wrestle with the reality of suffering, we also see that God brings comfort and assurance in suffering And ultimately responds by joining us in the suffering of Jesus. When I was serving churches in northeast Iowa, <clears throat> and I belonged to a, a local ministerial association, and we had a really good working relationship with the local school district, Uh, several of us, uh, both of these stories relate to that relationship with the school district. And uh, one morning, several of us received a phone call from the high school. Uh, 
<clears throat> there had been a tragic accident before school that day, and a high school student, 16 or 17 years old, was killed in an automobile crash. This was a rural community, a close, tight-knit community, a small high school with a total enrollment of around 300 students. And the school district called and asked if some of us could be present to help the school counselors and the school folks there to support the students that day. And so we said, of course. And so there were three of us that went, and we spent part of the day in the school library where there were posters made out to be large cards where the kids were encouraged to write notes or messages to the young lady who had died that morning or about her or to her family. And even as I drove the 10 miles or so to the high school, I began to wonder what, what could I say? What would I say? My kids were pretty young at the time, so I didn't know a lot of students at the high school. And so we just kind of sat and spent our time in the library. And I would occasionally walk over to the tables where they were writing on these poster boards. And when I thought I had an opening, when I thought I had an opportunity, I would just simply say to one of the kids as they wrote a note or as they had finished their note, tell me about Julie. Some of them wanted to talk. It was part of their grieving process. Some of them weren't sure if they wanted to talk. Some of them shared stories of her. And some of them began to ask the why questions. Why her? Why now? Why when she's so young? And all I could say is I don't have the answers. I said there's so much about suffering and especially accidents like this that we don't understand. That we don't necessarily see any good reason or any good purpose for. A year or two later, I got another similar phone call from the superintendent. An administrator in the district who had been laid off as part of a reorganization at the beginning of a new school year, within just the first few days of the new school year, had died by suicide. And they called us again and asked us if we could provide help and support in two or three of the schools where many of the kids would have known this man. And one of the, one of the schools um, called me and said, we have, a, we have a special needs student. He was a special needs student because when he was a couple years younger, he had suffered a traumatic brain injury. And I knew him a little bit, and they said, would you come and talk to him? And I said, yep, I'll be right there. And he and I spent a lot of time together that day, and they had broken the news to him, and he just was having a really hard time with it. 
And so he and I walked around the school, we walked around the room, and I told him, you know, tell me, tell me about your experience with him. Tell me what were some of your favorite things about him. Tell me some of the ways that he encouraged you before and after your accident. Sometimes, like I said earlier, some of the most important ministry, some of the most important work we can do with those, for those, or beside those who are suffering is to be present, to listen, to listen to the stories of their suffering, what they're dealing with in the moment, what they're recovering from in the past, whatever it might be. Because frequently we don't have answers. And we ask questions like, where is God when undeserved bad things happen? Why does God allow this? Does it mean that God is uncaring or not powerful enough to stop it? And if God's response is not to undo or prevent suffering, then what then does God do in response to suffering? And a lot of our doubts come from some unquestioned and often mistaken assumptions about God about faith, and about suffering. We hear scriptures like Psalm 91, verses 9 through 11. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. No scourge come near your tent. And we feel like this Bible passage and other scripture passages seem to give us some sort of assurance or seem to suggest to us that those who find refuge in God and place our trust in God will not experience harm. In other places in scripture it says, I promise to give you whatever you ask for. And there are other scriptures, like Proverbs 3.12 that says, For the Lord reproves the one he loves, as a father the son in whom he delights. Which might lead us to believe that suffering is punishment for sin. That all suffering stems from some sort of punishment. Some sort of tit for tat, because you did this, because you sinned and committed this wrong, you will suffer. But I feel like, I feel like that means God sometimes stands behind a cloud in heaven and randomly or arbitrarily or completely in a biased manner takes the hand from heaven and on one side protects people over here for one reason or another and on the other side is, I don't know, zinging lightning bolts or throwing the bad stuff at them. 
with us not understanding? I mean, are they, is, is God protecting people from suffering over here because they're, they're good or they're better or they've sinned less or got away with it? Or is God zinging lightning and suffering and stuff over here because they have sinned or they haven't done good enough or they haven't been better enough? And we decide sometimes that the suffering that we endure, the suffering we see others endure, comes from God, that God assigns the suffering, sends out the suffering, doles out the suffering. Now, I'm, I'm going to... Some of you might not like this. But I'm going to throw a couple very common, very popular quotations at you. And I'm going to disagree with both of them and encourage you not to use them. But you may not like that. Here goes. One of the first ones is, I'm going to step back here just in case. (laughs) Everything happens for a reason. You know, sometimes we look at suffering and we look at things and we're like, you know, Everything happens for a reason. And I'm like, in the world we live in, in the chaos around us, in the brokenness of creation, I don't think so. I don't know that I can find a reason. Sometimes that makes us feel better, or sometimes we're hoping, if I say everything happens for a reason, maybe soon or sometime down the road, someone will tell me what was the reason for this. Because I don't see it right now. And then five years down the road, ten years down the road, we say other things like hindsight is twenty twenty, and I now see a purpose or a reason for that. Well, that's probably more likely because we've had five or ten years to really look at that and analyze it, and I'm five or ten years now beyond the suffering, so I can wash it away with my reason. I don't know that every bit of suffering has a a, a, a reason, certainly not a divine reason or a divine purpose behind it. If I think about my own life and I think about some of my suffering, I know the reason for some of my suffering. I see him every morning when I look in the mirror. <laughs> because every once in a while, it's my own dang fault. Because we make decisions and we make choices and sometimes there are consequences to those. In my own sin. Do we, are we punished for our sin? I think we are punished for our sin. But I don't think it's, it's, it's the Lord with the, the wooden paddle or the wooden spoon punishing us. My sins and my bad choices have consequences in and of themselves. That's some of why I suffer, is because I make those poor decisions. And, and that brings suffering. The other phrase, again, stepping back just a little bit. God never gives you more than you can handle. Oh, I heard some of you say that. That's right. <laughs> First off, again, I don't think God doles out the suffering or gives us the suffering. 
I know for one thing, there's a whole lot of stuff that God shouldn't be trusting me with, period. And, and it's like, um, no. And sometimes God is pushing me and challenging me. And I think that happens. I think God is like, I really calling you to do this. I know you're not comfortable with it. Don't look at me and say it's suffering because I'm calling you to it because it's not suffering. So don't lose that excuse. I saw a, a, a little graphic picture on Facebook not too long ago, and I should, have, I should have printed it out for this message. Someone had put that saying on Facebook where it said, God will not give you more than you can handle. And they had scratched out every part of that praise except for God will. And then they had kind of scribbled below that, God will walk with you in whatever you have to deal with. So that's the idea of presence again, that God is with us whenever we're dealing with that, whatever we're struggling with. God does not abandon us in our suffering, even though there are days we are like, hello, still here, this still sucks, where are you? It feels like that. We feel abandoned. We feel alone. But God is present with us. By the moving and the power of his Holy Spirit, God is present with us through one another, walking beside one another in the pain and in the suffering. And sometimes that presence, that walking with someone, and that idea of walking with someone isn't just sitting down with them face to face in some sort of dialogue where we try to come up with the words or following behind them trying to pick up the pieces of suffering and tragedy. It's walking beside them, holding their hand, going arm in arm and saying, God is with you and you are not in this alone. And sometimes the presence that God provides is through one another. And so, sometimes it's just not hard to, it's hard not to look at that as suffering sometimes and punishment. And some of these assumptions, these mistakes, aren't only mistaken, but they can sometimes be harmful. God is not vindictive. God doesn't hold a grudge. I sometimes have terrible thoughts toward other people when I'm on the road. <laughs> I'm very judgmental when I'm in my car. I have to ask God for a lot of pardon, patience, and forgiveness when I'm in my car. And you know, it's not always necessarily because some other driver around me has really done anything wrong. They've just done something I really don't appreciate. You know, maybe someone on 90 when I'm going back and forth to visits and stuff is zipping around and in and out of traffic. And I'm like, mm. and if they're going really too fast and they're zipping out and back and forth between cars, my hope and my prayer is that in half a mile I see them pulled over by a cop. Almost never happens. I figure one of these days with my luck, it's going to be me that gets pulled over. 
And then I'm like, don't, don't, don't wish ill on people just because maybe they're driving like you wish they wouldn't. I mean, don't, come on. It's, 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 come on, calm down. It's not about that. Hey, knock it off! You know? But God is not, God is not vindictive. I think when God sees us suffering, or no, let's go a different way. When God sees us in the midst of our own sin, in the midst of our own bad decisions, I don't think God is vindictive. God might be a little mad, but I think more than anything else, oh, this word is tough. God is disappointed. God is saddened. God is like, oh, I love you. I want so much better for you, so much more for you. You know, sometimes when we claim that God has a purpose, everything happens for a reason, God has a purpose for our suffering, we're almost implying that God caused the suffering. Because if God wants us to get to that purpose, doesn't God have to kind of be a party in that? But at the same time, if we, if we proclaim, decide, or share the idea that God is, in fact, the agent of our suffering, then at the same time, we risk removing the one source of comfort that a person might have, God, by claiming that God is the one that ultimately behind their suffering. It's like, it's like thinking, God came over here, and smacked me in the back of the head, and then God met me over here to hand me the bandage to heal it. And it's like, that, that dog won't hunt. And then, sometimes when we deal with suffering and pain and that kind of thing, I think every once in a while, perhaps not for you, Every once in a while, I even get a little bit, a little bit jealous. Because sometimes, or a little envy or whatever, because I'm like, you know, I, I try to do good. I try to be positive. And I feel like, you know, sometimes I get the raw end of the deal, but then we start comparing sometimes. You know, I know this other person who's kind of a schmuck. But they seem to be doing really, really well and not having to deal with anything. That doesn't feel quite fair. And then all of a sudden I'm reduced to a six-year-old saying, it's not fair. Well, number one, not everything is as it seems. What I might be looking at from the outside and judging as someone doing really well and, and prospering and everything's going right for them, all the different parts of their life that I can't see might completely be crummy, might be terrible. There might be great suffering and great pain there. And then again, I have to turn my focus back to God and God's presence with me. It's almost 10. You don't care if we go to 10.30, do you? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. See, that's the problem sometimes with the topical sermons and that kind of thing. The suffering thing is, 
can be a whole series unto itself. You know, causes of suffering. A lot of causes, like I said, some of the causes of my greatest suffering have been me, myself and I, all three of us ganging up on me together. But humans hurt other humans. Acts of violence, acts of uncaring, carelessness leads to unintended consequences. And then, we have, and then we have these weird and wacky things like natural disasters. We have to remember, too, that God's creation, like us, is fallen and broken. And in the mysteries of God's creation, when I think of things like tornadoes and thunderstorms, that's sometimes how nature resets itself. We just have no control over how and where that happens. Illness. Again, we are broken creation. We get sick. Accidents. Accidents are what they are. They happen. Sometimes completely accidental. Sometimes because of carelessness. Sometimes because of poor decisions. So what is God's response to suffering in 37.4 seconds? God can and does bring us comfort, especially through the presence and the support of one another. Just being present, because we cannot always, and a lot of times we should not try to provide answers or advice, but just providing presence, being with the other. And occasionally, even sometimes, good things do come out of suffering. God doesn't cause the suffering, not for a greater purpose, but sometimes God is able to bring good things out of suffering. And sometimes that's when we're able to look back and recognize God's hand at work in the relief, in the good that came out of something. And God promises ultimately, promises us resurrection life that will follow death, not death and evil, but resurrection that has the final word, ultimate life that has the final word, being fully present with Christ in glory has the final word. Suffering and death are not the final word. That is God's ultimate response to suffering, life. I'll give you one more quick quasi-humorous, oh, I think I've already shared this story maybe with you, about being present with someone without providing answers. Yeah, I think this was the day that I used the word sucks 57 times in the sermon. So I'll say it again. My, my friend Teresa lost her dad unexpectedly shortly after I lost my mom. And again, she was in the funeral line, funeral line greeting people and everybody saying, Sorry for your loss. He's in a better place. And he had died suddenly. She didn't have a chance to say goodbye or anything. Something with his brain and he was gone. And I walked up to her in the line and I gave her a big, big hug and I whispered in her ear, this just sucks. Sometimes being fully present with people means acknowledging the crappy place they're in. Sometimes it's just even just saying, not just I'm sorry for where you find yourself, but being really honest and saying, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry, this really sucks. And I'm here with you in whatever way I can be with you. Let us pray.
Lord, be present with us. Be present with us through one another. Help us to be present to one another. Help us to acknowledge your presence in the form of other people, in the form of the natural and created world and the beauty it is around us. Help us to recognize your presence in music, in hobbies, in other ways that we are fed physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. You are present to us in so many ways. Help us, Lord, to share that presence with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Go out into this week and find ways and places and others to be God's presence with them. Go now in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, the Father Almighty, the fellowship, the communion, and the power of the Holy Spirit, this day and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.